you've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. And welcome back to another episode of Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. And we're back. This will wrap up season one. Oh my God. It, it, I was going to say it happened so quickly, but it really didn't. It didn't it know. Like a long, a long, arduous process. Right. Because we, <laughs> we were out of town, then you were out of town, then you were sick. And so it's just yeah. been, yeah, we, we were really hoping to get these out a week a week apart and it just didn't happen. So we started this way back in the spring when we were getting bored from, you know, from the COVID quarantined and everything. Yeah. And but it's been a, a blast of a year. So yeah, we hope that you've enjoyed it as well. We yeah. want to again say thanks to our, our fans in Italy. Well we, we are taking note <laughs> that you're still listening, whoever you are. We appreciate thanks you. Thanks everybody for listening. I mean I know there are a, a lot of choices. I think there's yeah. as many We're uh, up close to a thousand yeah. uh, downloads now. So uh, that's a beautiful And I know thing. that they're not all my dad because he doesn't know how to download <laughs> anything. Um, so. <laughs> nice. So anyway. Tonight's topic. Oh, tonight's away, yeah. Tonight's topic is a seismic shift in rock and roll that occurred somewhere in our college years, uh, nineteen ninety one. It's Nirvana, smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, that kind of uh, sent shockwaves around the globe. Yeah, would you we'll, say? We'll talk about the effect that it had. We'll talk a little bit about the video. Yeah, um, and just kind of. Kind of what it meant for rock and roll going forward from that point. Kind of what it meant um, to us at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. It's going to be um, fun to talk about this one. I think it's... Uh, but before that, we have the wait. opening ceremonies. <laughs> Today, Mitch, tell us about the beer. You brought this beer okay. back from Montana. Is well, that correct? Yeah. The way I paired this beer with this uh, this episode of the podcast is uh, I did a trip to the Pacific Northwest. Started out in Seattle. And then uh, made my way uh, to Montana, and where I gathered up this beer, and it is Big Sky IPA. And here we go. From the great oh, state yeah. of Montana. Let's, let's pour some Montana into our glasses. Mm, supposedly one of the last wild places. But I rather enjoyed this when I was out there. Ooh, and, look at uh, that color. Yeah, it's got, got a nice amber tint. Nice uh, off-white foamy head there. Yeah. To season Ooh. one, let's do a little cheers there. Ooh, that smells right good. on. Not bad. All right, so we have a double, a double, a double header. Oh, right. <laughs> I have been sitting on my infinity jar. You've heard of infinity bottle if you're a bourbon drinker. This uh, this jar that I have in front of me is uh, has charred wood chips, charred oak chips in it, and I have been pouring bourbon into it for the last couple of years. So explain that concept. This is not one bourbon. Whenever you get a bottle of bourbon, you just pour just, you know, half an ounce or whatever. So this has everything from ancient age, bottom shelf, to Mictor's 10. So it reminds me of that old saying, the fleas of a thousand camels. This is like the the char of a thousand barrels. It has Weller, it has Wilderness Trail, it has... Eagle Rare, it has so many things. Knob Creek, it has so many things. It All fine bourbons from Woodford the state Reserve. we are currently so uh, broadcasting from. Try yes. it for the first time. We've not opened this. We thought this is the end of our season one. We're going to pour some of this and taste it. It's sort of the, partly sh- because the champagne, the, as it were, yes. Partly because the, uh, the jar is full. And i got to <laughs> make room for more bourbon. So, and I've got several that I haven't poured yet, so... Well, it has a nice aroma. I will say that. (laughs) I hate spilling this stuff because it smells so good. (laughs) 
And it was so many years in the making, right? How, how long you been working on this, dude? Did you say just About two years, two and a half. Two and years, a half. Chef. Yep. So, so all these bourbons have aged yet another couple years then, right? So Yeah. All right. To, to uh, 12 episodes to Kurt Cobain. It's very woody. Okay, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> it needs to open up more. We'll, we'll revisit this well, halfway through. I'm going to go ahead and we'll keep and reviewing it. As it goes. You're if, you're seeing this, if you're seeing this video on YouTube, this is pretty gross. That's Hope you don't see my belly button. It's kind of a dude kind of thing you're doing right there. I just wipe, don't care. Wiping up bourbon. If I go around smelling like bourbon the rest of the night, I don't care. All right. <laughs> Grab a mallet. We've got to do the tail of the tape. Tail of the tape. You ready? Yeah, I think, I believe so. <laughs> Let's go. Smells Like Teen Spirit is a song by American rock band Nirvana. It's the opening track and lead single from the band's second album, Nevermind, in 1991. The unexpected success of the song propelled Nevermind to the top of several album charts uh, at the start of 1992, an event often marked as the point where grunge entered the mainstream. Uh, the song was dubbed an anthem for apathetic kids of Generation X. Uh, I think aptly so. And the, the the Guinness Book of World Records named Smells Like Teen Spirit the most played video on MTV Europe. Wow. Interesting. I would, I would say it's in contention in America, but that it's... Probably, yeah. I think uh, uh, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. Oh, my God. So our British video, number one here, and American video over there. I'm kind of strange. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the songs that shaped rock and roll in 2001. And in 2017, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. So, number one in Belgium, New Zealand, Spain, and France. Uh, number two in Norway, Poland, Portugal. Almost said Portland. <laughs> <laughs> Norway, Poland, Portugal, and Germany. Number three, Denmark and Sweden. The U.S., only number six. Uh, U UK singles number seven and the Canada number nine. Canada usually ahead of that. I thought Canada would be a number one. I would think for sure this is such a Canadian song. I mean, they're wearing flannel yeah. shirts. Come on. Okay, and, that's, uh, we, have, we have a whole episode on that. Uh, but that's, <laughs> I think we should investigate. We're going to take microphones to Canada. I'm and telling like, you, I need interview people. people. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Anyway, it propelled the album Nevermind to be certified diamond Jeez. in the U.S. Well, for sales of more than 10 million copies. So, 10, 10 million. <laughs> All right. So, there's the tale of the tape on this juggernaut of a tune. So, let's talk about when we first heard it. When it first came out in 1991. Right on. And I don't, we talked about this a little bit before we, we went on the air, but... I don't remember the first time I heard it. You know, Cynthia, my girlfriend, said that she remembers hearing it for the first time at a at like a frat party when right. she was in college, which makes her just so millennial that you can't even stand it. <laughs> but but do you remember at all what your first? Well, yeah, I mean, I do have recollections. Uh, I believe I probably uh, as as per usual, I, I was an MTV fiend at the time, and MTV sure. was probably a little past its peak at this time. Yeah. I would say. But it was a, a just a, a thing, a part of our lives at the time. So I probably originally saw it on MTV and heard the song for the first time. And I just remember seeing Kurt Cobain's shirt looked yeah. very non rock star like. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's possible now to realize how different that looked at the time. Because you're used to seeing now at this point spandex and all these 
torn up, tattered, right. weird. On things. MTV, at least. On MTV, and and hit silk headbands and crap on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying tight the, pants. Yeah, tight red satin pants on mm-hmm. rock dudes. You know, it's just a a strange time. Even Hart was wearing like the the what the long coats. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever those things. But anyway, so seeing Kurt Cobain wearing like a a weird green shirt that you would. <laughs> only give to the goodwill not right. get from the goodwill and a, and a like a maybe a flannel shirt or not a flannel but like a long underwear shirt under or something yeah. was bizarre to me so that just the aesthetics of it were crazy the sound was very fresh very different and and I just remember the one main memory I have is when he would say like yay yay, yay. yay. Yep. I'd never heard any noise like that in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of laughed, but I was sort of like also intrigued. I was like, what's going on? Who let him get away with this? Why do I like it so much? Yeah. And it was the sort of thing. And, you know, we had seen maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers and the band X and stuff on MTV after midnight, like 2 a.m., where they hid their kind of uh, yeah. kind of uh, ugly stepchildren of the night. But this was on broad daylight and starting to take over. You know, yeah. it's just a strange thing to see during the day on MTV. And for me, it was just like almost a sensory overload. Watching that video, <laughs> it was like it, it, the song just it swallows your senses. You know, it's like it, once it hits you, it's like it can't be stopped. It's just... It explodes out of the speakers. It did then, does now. Totally does. To I listened to it today on my laptop, and it exploded at me. I think my hair was like blowing back. <laughs> nice. I mean, it was just it was almost disturbing how much energy was in it. It was like, but it was so fascinating. I was so ready to go buy that album as soon as I heard it because I just wanted to hear what else was going on there. Some and, kind of freshness, right? Yeah, something new, and that that's what kind of made it do what it did you know and which was and that's that's the big theory that we we researched this and there are a million articles out there about how it killed hair metal right but, you know it's become we, a sort of a cliched uh statement right and, that we, it kill, and, killed and hair you metal. know i think we agree that hair metal was already killing itself it had gotten flat it had gotten cliche the way i sort of formulated this all in my head today was that Hair metal was busy and happily uh, lashing themselves to the railroad tracks. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain just happened to be engineering the next train that came down the tracks. Yeah, that's a great and it analogy. Mowed them down. Great yeah. analogy. Never to return. <laughs> Never. But I mean, that, what, what was going on by by the late '80s and hair metal was just it literally it was just a stripper soundtrack. It really it's was like that. Was. Very that's misogynist. You know, and they I'm were not just super right cherry pie. And you got to pour some sugar on me. And it's just like so misogynistic. Talk dirty to me. Talk dirty yeah. to me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's like there's no art in there. There's no art in it whatsoever. And the thing is, Smells Like Teen Spirit was largely just gibberish. I agree. Not unlike, like, come together, like, you know, walrus gumboot, but that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, at the same time, it did capture this sort of image of, we're just so freaking bored that we're just, we don't have to talk about. That's what it was like. And and I think a lot of teenagers and early 20s people really could identify with that, right? And it was like, one thing, one of the notes that I made was like, that video especially, it was the first time that you, this goes back to your point that 
ugly people were on MTV in primetime. <laughs> yes. It inspired the, all, all the millennials who were ugly, including me. <laughs> I'm still ugly. Uh, maybe that's what brought on the term grunge, you know, is they were grungy. That they were grungy. They looked yeah. like they got their... Clothes out of a dumpster somewhere. But I remember wearing. I remember wearing. You know, like shirts over concert shirts in high school. You know. Oh sure, yeah. I had friends wearing flannel, and I, you know, mine were usually not flannel, but they were like plaid regular shirts I would wear over some concerts. You know, some. You weren't going for the spandex, were you? No, that, that was not something anyone needed to ever see. So to go to that point where they're like they're bored and the lyrics almost don't make sense uh butch vig that produced this track Mm -hmm. and produced the album Nevermind, uh said that uh, he felt like the narrator in the song didn't know what they wanted but they knew they were pissed they were pissed off yeah (laughs) Yeah, which is great which is a beautiful (laughs) description of that um so going to you know the 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 phrase itself Okay. Was did you read up upon this history? I did. Yeah. You, yeah. But you can uh, lay it down. What a, man. What a yeah. great story! And I never knew I this until it. today. But basically, his his friend from Bikini Kill, Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. They got drunk, and they were they went back to his apartment, and they were and they were so drunk that she took a sharpie and wrote all over <laughs> his bedroom wall. And one of the phrases was "Kurt smells like Teen Spirit." And it was because that he had dated one of her friends, the drummer from Bikini Kill, I believe. Who? Yeah, yeah, the drummer. But she wore this this little known deodorant, <laughs> right? That was marketed to teenage girls, Teen Spirit, Teen Spirit. And, and Kurt didn't know that when he just <laughs> thought he thought she was speaking to like, oh, I speak to younger people. What's crazy um, is I'm wearing Teen Spirit deodorant right now. You you oh, I really? am. Oh, I, I oh. wear it all the time. <laughs> It makes, me, Lord. it makes me feel like flowers. Smell like flowers. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But but like, I looked for it all over town today. I wanted us to see what. Oh, teens that would be smoke. awesome. Yeah. I just couldn't find I it. I didn't plan ahead. <laughs> but anyway, but it's like that. That that's where it started. It's like and and you, those words are never spoken in the song. But he wanted to use the that phrase right so much, and so how much did that contribute to the song's popularity? Because only a select part of the audience even knew what Teen Spirit was. I didn't know what it was. Oh no, no, no! I don't think I don't think really anybody hardly. I mean, there was teenage a, maybe girls a, knew maybe what a was. few teenage girls might have known, but it was just something like smells like Teen Spirit sounds like a phrase like you know sort of like oh I smell attitude attitude yeah. you know and that's what that's how he took it and he didn't know he had no yeah. idea. <laughs> Which I just think is amazing. It's so cool, so, but what a great phrase. It's a great phrase. So he called Hannah and said, can I use that as a lyric? And she's like, yeah. uh, she probably, like, I don't even know what you're talking right. about. Right, because he was so hungover. And, you know. <laughs> but she wrote it on his wall, and it was a rental that yeah, he was staying she felt in. Bad. So it's kind yeah. of a little crazy. Yeah. All right, I'm going back to the Infinity Bottle. It's, and smell this. It's smell getting it. better. It's good. It smells like... She's <laughs> weird. <laughs> If this is what teen spirit smells like, I do want to use it. <laughs> right. If I could smell like this every day, oh my goodness, my life would be complete. This is really opening up nice. So Go. where are Sorry. we? What, what do we want to talk about here? We're, we're well, going to get to talk the, about the video. 
yes, I believe we should very much so. So let's talk about how much did the video play into in making it the the behemoth that it is. I think the history. video had to play quite a bit of uh, a part in it because I thought it was super well done. First time uh, director Samuel Bayer filmed it, and he felt like he was chosen because he hadn't directed before, so. He felt like they, they would expect something a little more indie, a little more punk out of yeah. him. Than maybe and they also they could probably maybe push him around a little more. Maybe, well, <laughs> you know, that's just my, my suspicion. But. Very possible. Here Here's the uh, here's the word association things I wrote down about the video that we might riff off of here. Number one, tattooed cheerleaders. We've never and, seen anything. And there's anything. a story behind that. They look like the cheerleaders from hell. And, and did you notice that they weren't in unison? Uh, I did, no, I didn't. When they were shaking their pom poms. They were just doing like they were off because yeah. originally Cobain wanted to have unattractive girls. Okay, and the the director poo pooed it. He said no, so he went and recruited those girls from a local strip club. Those were strippers. They kind of had stripper vibe. They were strippers. Say. Yeah, and yeah. that's why they were all tatted up, and they had the the anarchy sign. If you notice, they did, on there. Yeah, and so yeah, they were supposed to be. You know nerdy girls and and he said uh, no we need to have some something different it was very yeah. effective it, i thought they made spooky. the video pop it was real spooky and, well did you see that the the goal the theme was a pep rally from hell uh is that well yeah that was the theme they were going for <laughs> yeah pep I mean, rally from hell they achieved they achieved they it and achieved then some. He, he wanted it to be like an, a school assembly, pep assembly that went went totally wrong. So yeah. the second word I wrote down was moshing. Now, I yeah. don't think we'd seen a whole lot of moshing. Right. Probably some was starting to, you know. But like the, the way that looked so out of hand, like the guys like jumping upside down onto the crowd made you feel like there was something really important going on, something really off the chain kind yeah. of feel. And a lot of that was impromptu. I, I believe that. Because they sat there for almost 12 hours. And 12. They got, they got bored. 12 hours. Yeah. And so one of the kids said, they were like, we're almost done. They said, can we just destroy the set? Because we're so, you know, they were so ticked off about being there for so long and just sitting. <laughs> the original the original concept was they would just sit around the entire time and look bored. Because that <laughs> reflected the millennial, you know, spirit. <laughs> Of just being bored with everything. <laughs> but they did a good job of that, especially they, early yeah. on in the video. So they finally said, you know, somebody finally said, can we just destroy the set? And they were like, okay, let's just film it. <laughs> and so that's when they started smashing and getting up on the basketball rim and smashing the it, guitars and stuff. It and, definitely looked like it was getting out of hand. But, yeah. like, as a, as a young person, I really felt good about that energy. Oh, yeah. I don't think I would like it now. It probably scare me more now. Yeah. But they recruited the extras by handing out flyers, and it said, Nirvana needs you to appear in their upcoming music video. You should be 18 to 25 years old and adopt a high, high school, school persona. persona. Yep. <laughs> I was Yeah, I was about 25 at the time. You and I both were. Yeah. So I would have totally done that. But oh, I'd have jumped right in yeah. on that, yeah. But I think it was a fantastic video. I mean, like it—it it just captured the kind of this dark, a little spooky, a little bit, um, just kind of like kids do when they're bored and they start breaking stuff or start yeah. spray painting. Things. And all the slow motion was like just so cool. Oh, I thought that was really, so much really slow mo. Well it's just like made it spookier. Yes, yes. 
But uh, did you read this? I thought this would be interesting to you as a Ramones fan. Uh, the video was inspired uh, by a song and movie, Rock and Roll High School. I did see that. And where, they, uh, where they blow up the, the school. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love that. I love that movie. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting also that the crowd mixed with the band towards the end of the video. Yeah. And I think we were used to seeing uh, videos at that time with Cinderella and Poison and bands like that. And they were on a big stage with things blowing up and no one near them. Yep. No they one were, could they go were gods. Near them. They were gods. Or they thought of themselves as gods. Well, yes. And then you've got these ugly people. Mixing with ugly people, and I think that that's so important that ugly people. I mentioned this; were, were they were on MTV. <laughs> but so let's talk about the what what this hath wrought. So okay, one of the one of the, the stories I saw that I read was I thought was so kind of cool or kind of interesting was that came out in in, in late uh, 1991, right? By early 1992, it was top ten, and the album was I think number one, right? So the big song in 1990 was Cherry Pie. They were Warrant. on top of the world. Warrant. Warrant, yes. And I think you've got some notes on Warrant. I have. And, I by, and by mid-1992, Warrant had lost their record deal. They got dumped. So did you hear the story Janie Lane, the lead singer of Warrant, tells? He went to the Columbia Records headquarters in 90, and they had the Cherry Pie uh poster behind the the receptionist Receptionist. desk so they have this big cherry pie poster so he's feeling pretty good about his prospects and his life he goes back one year later to see the same you know executive that he was going to see and behind the desk was an allison chains poster and he just it kind of sent a shiver through his you know down his spine that uh uh-oh we're not you know we're not on top of the world not relevant i know a lot of people probably like that song and i'm sure it's used in strip clubs even as we no, speak a, yeah. all over the country. But I think that's almost like a parody. Some something like a spinal tap type comedy troupe would do with And that's hair exactly metal. what happened to that hair metal. Um you know, it just it just became a parody of itself. You know, like yeah. the like the like the final season of Happy Days. It jumped the shark. Yeah. And so but, it was ripe for the picking. And so I mean, I, it, it, but it for me it ushered in so many great things. It ushered in Matt Penfield in 120 minutes, you know. And so I learned, I oh yeah, so much music because oh I yeah, yeah. Trace it back to Nirvana and bringing this stuff to the mainstream. And I would, I had to go to work at like 6:30 on Mondays. I would stay up until 2 a.m. and watch 120, 120 minutes. minutes. It was a fantastic Every week. One of the first CDs I, would, I bought was a compilation. And from I would that, make yeah. notes. Yep, I would make notes. Oh, did you make I notes? Want, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. You're such a studious rock fan. I like. Oh that. my goodness, <laughs> I was. And my poor, my poor, my then wife was just like, she learned how to sleep through it. Oh, did she? So she was like, you know, I was like, can I watch in bed with you? She's like, yeah, I can sleep through it. It's fine. So she would sleep through this these songs, and that's where I first first learned of Fountains of Wayne. Oh, you know, so many material. It was issue. a that was a good yeah. show. But I've got a few quotes here from '80s um, players here. You know that that kind of uh, like Tom Kiefer of Cinderella said it felt like a systematic dismissal of the '80s hair metal bands by the industry. He felt like it wasn't like a thing where 
they sort of went out of popularity and they rode down the normal decline of bands. He felt like it was systematic what and do you organized. Expect? Well, I don't know. It's business. I mean, it's yeah, true. But it, he said it. Uh, it seemed a little more abrupt than it had in the past, like where yeah. every decade ushered in new new acts or whatever. The band Kicks. Kicks, K I X. They were making a video for a power ballad. Oh God! And they were on the set halfway through the shooting of the video. They got word from the record company: the plug is pulled. Stop. No oh, video. God. So that's how crazy quick this all happened. Tom Petty had a quote on it. He said that the best thing that happened with the Nirvana and the grunge revolution is uh, they put the guys with the hairspray and the leotards out of business, he said. Kurt uh, came in and cut them down like wheat before the sickle, he said, <laughs> which is, might be overstating it a little bit. It, was, it somewhat felt like that. And he thought Nirvana was the most significant thing since the Beatles, which was interesting. Well, and, and that brings me to my point I was going to make. Right. Um, so... There, there are, to me, there are two comparisons. Okay. So in 1963, you know, Buddy Holly had died. Um, right. You know, some of these rock and roll icons had died, and, and pop music had gone back to things like Frank Sinatra, who was amazing, but Frankie Avalon. Derivative. Soft, things. derivative yeah. pop stuff. Yes. And then America heard. I want to hold your hand. Right. And and my, my ex-girlfriend's father was a teenager at the time. And he told me one time, he said, Kevin, he said, when it came on the radio for the first time, he said, everything changed for me. He said, and that's when I bought a guitar. Said, everything <laughs> changed. It was really good for the, the uh, guitar selling industry. You know? <laughs> and, and, and that was a seismic <laughs> shift that yes. will never be topped. But, I agree. But Nirvana Never. was a similar sort of thing. It was on that scale, but not... Not well, quite it was, it was. It was, yeah, it was a four out of that ten. If the Beatles yeah, yeah. killed Frankie Avalon yeah. and, you know, and Gene Pitney... And sent Elvis to Hollywood for a little while. sent Elvis to Hollywood. <laughs> then Nirvana killed hair metal and a lot of that pop stuff that, you know... Um, the only other one that I'm... And you know me, I'm always going to take it back to the knack... Okay. <laughs> but in 1979, disco was on top of the charts, and My Sharona hit number one, and that, that set disco packing. Right, sure. And so the, the great connection to me is Kurt Cobain loved the knack. And he described, he described in his band bio, Nirvana is sounding like Black Sabbath playing the knack. And he was, that, yeah. that's what he that's how he described it himself. Yeah. And he he said one time in an interview I read years ago, he said that he said I've I've said before that we're the knack of the nineties and he said, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He said something about the, the knack and the Bay City rollers. Yeah. Uh was what they were kinda of looking toward. Yeah. So being uh like kind of pummeled by by Black Sabbath or something weird. Yeah. He had some colorful explanation yeah. for that. And I never knew if the Bay City Rollers reference if he was kind of being facetious, but I couldn't I just know that because they, they covered My Sharona in concert. They, oh, they covered oh, it. Yeah. yeah There's video out there, video evidence. They were pretty irreverent. So this brings up maybe the topic. Now, you said there were uh, there was a power pop movement happening uh, yeah. so, co- concurrently with the Nirvana revolution. Right. So yeah. Matthew Sweet, Material Issue, bands like that were starting to get a little bit of attention 
And then Nirvana came along and swung it in the direction of grunge. But what they created was what then became called modern rock. And so power pop got shifted into that modern rock category with bands like Nirvana. And so there were a lot of markets, a lot of big markets had those modern rock stations. And we had QMF2, Q2 for two or three years. So did that help? The Matthew Sweets of the world? It did, or? because it got them, it got so many bands. Um, what's the name of the band? Um, Ultimate Fake Book. The Posies. <laughs> the Posies have Posies, had some sure. great music back then. Yeah. Urge Overkill. You know, right, right. So many bands that are now classified as power pop. And Urge again, Overkill is a fantastic Uncle band. Green, I mean. Like the Lemonheads. The, yeah, the Lemonheads. Yeah. And so I learned about so many of these bands because of Nirvana creating this genre for a short time, mm-hmm. putting it on the radio, and that's all I listen to. You know, I mean, I don't listen to radio, but in that time, that's what I listened to because I wanted was, to hear what was new. Because it was pretty good. Because it was, yeah, it was all music that I loved. It was power pop, you know, to my ears. So now, there's an interesting thing I discovered. I was uh, Kurt Cobain's guitar teacher, <laughs> Mason, uh, Warren Mason. Uh, said that he felt like Nirvana got famous too quickly. Uh, they went straight from a garage band yeah. to like world fame, like number one. And then, yeah, then it made me killed himself. Well, yeah, it just made me wonder about what that would have been like because we know bands that are that could break this big. I believe from the local area, yeah. you know, like there's bands around Forest here. In the photons, yeah, uh, tall squares, tall squares. You know, I feel like there's bands around here that I. I I kind of pictured this week preparing for this. What would what would it be like if those guys were suddenly, you know, thrust into the spotlight on uh, Jimmy Fallon? You know, yeah. like suddenly, like it would be, it would be a lot to deal with as a as a person. I don't think they ever saw themselves being these big giant rock stars and having all these pressures on them. And I don't think they dealt with it well. I don't think they seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, some bands have navigated it somehow, like Pearl Jam seems to have kind of come through it somehow. But I think it was even hard on a band like that, you know. Yep. I mean, it feels like a weird problem to have to be world famous. And now Dave Grohl doesn't want anyone near his trailer if he's at, at a concert. Is that true? That's, yeah. That's <laughs> my buddy who uh, knows the band. He's like, yeah, they're, they're really weird about anyone getting near their Is trailer. Is that right? They're not yeah. mingling with the crowds anymore? Yeah, huh? no. <laughs> anyway, that's just... Uh, it's just amazing how it shifted music so quickly and so definitively that now grunge is a thing, and and they're more pop than than all the other grunge bands. Uh, I agree, a lot of melody. Yeah, but it's sort of now the grunge era, you know, began and sort of ended with Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other bands made a few more albums. Pearl Jam has kind of stuck around as a an entity. But it sort of was like this thing that came and went in the night. Yep. And now, I wonder how people look back on it now. It was very emotional, very there, dark. There are a lot of yeah. There are a lot of people. I didn't like it so much because it was it was just melody free for the most part. It just didn't interest me that much. Just sort of dark, detuned. Like it prompted the Smithereens, spooky. it prompted Pat, Pat Denizio to write a song called "Sick of Seattle." Oh, really? Yeah. He literally <laughs> wow. wrote a song about 93, 94, Sick of Seattle. It was <laughs> oh, before Kurt died, but yeah. It's kind of a shot across the bow. So now I want to come into another topic here, the album cover. I think it is a masterpiece. Yeah. I think it is a standalone 
piece of modern art that could appear in the MoMA or any great museum. And uh, the cool part is that, that that little baby, that's actually, that was uh, Gary Busey. Oh, no. Now, there's a little known fact. <laughs> I think, that, that's I a think, joke, folks. I think you could convince me of that if I had. That's an inside joke. But anyway, uh, the cover features four-month-old Spencer Eldon. So you, you had a, a nickname for him, did you? Or <laughs> Wiener Boy. Wiener Boy, okay. He is now <laughs> suing the band for uh, exploitation yeah. of a minor. And uh, he, he may have a good case. But, you know, like to me, like on the cover, he's swimming for a yeah, dollar. For a dollar. Which is a very, like, a, a, a profound statement it's on perfect, the reality of our lives, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you spend every day swimming for a dollar on every a hook? <laughs> day. And that's before taxes. <laughs> but, like, I'm he, on the bottom of the pool trying to skip up 60 cents. Right. I don't want to degrade, like, Spencer or his plight because I don't know what it's like to be famous as a naked baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> But he says he sits at a ballpark and he thinks, man, everybody in this whole place has seen my wiener. You know what I mean? Like, but no one knows who he is. That's true. And he, he got never mind tattooed across his chest. Did you yeah. know that? This is, yeah. See, this to me it just, just speaks of a, a desperation cash grab. Which is just like the album cover, and I, right? And Ironically. I, right. Yep. And, I, and Wiener Boy, wherever you are, I apologize, but that's just what I think. Please don't sue me. <laughs> right. Please don't sue Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole because we don't have any money. <laughs> we do not. Because uh, this Montana beer we're drinking, they are not sponsoring us. Uh, they are and not. And neither is my jar of bourbon. We so. do like free product placements. Yeah, your jar yeah. of bourbon didn't uh, yield much money, but it yielded some flavor. So it's getting fantastic. some good flavor going, don't you think? Man. So what is the legacy of grunge, If it, assuming that they don't get sued into the... It, it's the shift. It's the, the monumental ether. shift in music. Was it... Was it? I mean, because then, you guess what came after that? Pop punk. There so power go. pop came back around as pop punk. It kind of reset everything. Everything. It was our kind of Beatle moment that we got to see in real time. Yeah. The, the first Beatle moment took place just before we were born. So we got to see a little bit of what that must have been like, would you say? Yeah. Yes, exactly. To to like to make like five percent degree. You know, <laughs> I don't think it was nearly as you know, like I said, my my former uh, pseudo father in law was like really emphatic about about how much that oh how much bigger him. that yeah. was well i think uh the beatles sold a lot more guitars than nirvana did but, but i think nirvana did sell quite a few guitars but without you know? like without no no definitely did in yeah. a lot of flannel <laughs> well, you but without, that's for without sure. nirvana like i have a, a great memory um back when i was married and my son was young we were driving home from the grocery store or something and and uh, matthew sweet's brand new single sick of myself came on the radio yeah. And we pulled up in the driveway, and my wife started grabbing bags, and I said, I'm going to sit here and listen to the end of this. <laughs> right. And it has that double false ending. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. And I just sat there, and I was like, if not for Nirvana, that never would have happened to me. I never yeah. would have had that memory. So, so though you didn't take to Nirvana specifically, you I, do I mean, owe I, them I a, bought all a, their albums. A, you do owe them but a I, No, I, I, no, I liked Nirvana, but, yeah. but you know, I, I, was, I was more into the fact that I could get this, consume this type of music on the radio, and it was because of them. And I didn't think so much about it at the time. I just thought, okay, this is a movement. Right. And they're just part of it. But looking back 20 years later, 25 years later, 
they were they were the spearhead of it. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so, I mean, I was already into Matthew Sweet, but I was so happy to get that to get all these different bands. I never would have heard of so many bands. A lot of them wouldn't wouldn't have even been signed more than likely, yeah, you know. Exactly. But I I think it's it's so rare that you can trace it back to one song. Mhm. One song that became the moment, you know, yep. it kind of bothers me a little that I can't explain to my, I've got three kids. I can't explain to them how different that looked, how different that sounded because they've grown up in a world that had Kurt Cobain, yep. his legacy <laughs> flannel wearing people everywhere, you know, yep. like they, they just can't understand how different that looked, how fresh it felt. Um, you know, yeah. it's probably the way your your uncle feels yep. when he talks to you about the Beatles. You yeah. can never know how much of a shock it was to the yep. system. Yep, exactly. And it's and and this was far less, but it still was a big thing. <laughs> so a little piece of trivia. Talk to me. Think about that uh, the guitar intro. Think about yeah. it in your mind. Well, yeah, very very um, lo-fi and very uh, catchy. But and I know where you're going. <laughs> more than a feeling by Boston. Isn't that great? So did Kurt like mean to do that? Or? Not that I could find. I couldn't find any evidence he did. It was just like one of those things. More than a feeling. Yep. Like I love the song More Than a Feeling. And I never once put that together. Myself. I never did either. But it's like I was I was I was hanging out, I was having lunch with my friend Corey, and he and I saw the bare naked ladies together a couple times back in the nineties. And uh, the song came on, and I told him the story about the, our song for our band, The Uncommon Houseflies, Zoe Deschanel. And I wrote a, I wrote a riff, wrote a song around this riff that I thought was so great. And then one day I was sitting in, in Buffalo Wild Wings six, seven years ago, and the, and the song came on, and I was like, oh, no. And it was, it's all been done. Bare naked ladies. And I completely <laughs> subconsciously ripped that off and made it into a song. And oh. and I told Corey that he was like, he was like, oh my god, it's like so full circle. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it remember just, you wrote a new riff for it, and I made my riff the baseline. I just yeah. played the baseline. It makes that so much sense that it would be that way. <laughs> so yeah, so there's that that whole kind of full circle thing going on there. But I thought it was cool that it, it the evidence I had that it was it was sort of derivative of that is that I couldn't think of how more than a feeling goes. After I was, you know, oh. kind of thinking about Teen Spirit, even though I loved more than a feeling. So I thought, oh, they are close enough that you can't think of the other one right. when one's in your head, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but I never, anyway. I never once thought about that. One more thing. Talk um, if you're if you're listening, you've probably read you've probably sorry, you've probably seen uh, the Weird Al parody smells like Nirvana. I went and watched it today. I'm going to I'm going to put the link in the show notes. It was so ready made for it, wasn't it? It's perfect. And so uh, there's a there's a cameo by Dick Van Patten, and the the janitor in Weird Al's video is the same actor as the janitor in. I love that. Smells I love like Teen that. Spirit. Yeah. And so yeah, if you haven't watched it in a while, it's worth going back and watching again. It's fantastic. Um, he so killed good. it. Killed it. Smells like Nirvana is such a funny name for that too. Like, how did yep. he come up with? He always just hits it out yep. of the park. So, if you you again, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have already watched it many times. But if you haven't, 
Go look in the show notes. Click that link. Right. I don't it's know if casual that. fans know this, but uh, Weird Al approaches bands when he's got a yeah. when he's got an idea for one of and, these parodies. Cobain loved it. He loved it. He, he called it very amusing. But he felt like that. That's when he felt like they had made it. Yeah. When Weird Al called, he got, he said, "I want to do a parody of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it's called Smells Like Nirvana." And Kurt said, "Oh, cool, man." He said, well, uh, "Like, w- what's the gist of it?" And he goes, "That people can't understand your lyrics." Yeah. <laughs> he's got the marbles in his mouth, and yes. like, it's so funny, so funny. <laughs> yep, it's a good thing. So, all right, so we're gonna wrap up this. Uh, final episode of season one we're going to be back next season and we don't in a few weeks uh, you know maybe who knows early to 2022 we don't know yet but yeah we're gonna gonna, we're gonna start having some guests on yes we are we did this this run with just me and butch and we're gonna start having some guests and we're hoping to have some guests that'll be of interest uh we'll also have some guests on that are friends that know a lot about music and will have their own opinions We'll um, have spirited discussions with them, and yeah. we might even argue uh, from from Louisville to Japan. We'll have some. Kind we of have like a guest from Japan that we're hoping to get on. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> we're we will we will uh, definitely be posting some stuff on our Facebook page and our Twitter account. So please follow us, Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. It's at R and R Rabbit Hole, um, and we will look forward to uh, coming back to you again in a couple months. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everybody. Please subscribe and tell a friend. And if you want to review it, <laughs> go right. We ahead. can take our medicine, right? Yeah. You know, so we're big boys. <laughs> yeah. But thanks to everybody. Thanks to Seattle. And Cheers, we'll, Butch. Cheers to season one. To season one. Well, the way I kind of talk, talk uh, uh, formulated this self in my uh, or <laughs> man, I'm going to start that over. Okay. <laughs>